Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. My name is Gene. I'm part of the team here at Restore. And... uh, This morning, we're going to dive into a brand new series. We just ran the trailer. Resistance, resistance. We're declaring war on those things in our lives that have no no need to be in our lives. I wonder how you feel about lying. My little granddaughter, Eloise, is three years old. And she's not a liar. She hasn't quite figured out how to lie just yet. But believe me when I tell you that her parents don't need to teach her how to lie. They may need to tell her how to tell the truth at all times, but lying is a thing that she'll just do one of these days. Her dad did. Her aunt did. I'm sure her mom did but no one taught them to lie. No one taught you and I to lie. As we get older, our relationship with lying usually changes. We begin to tell white lies, these innocuous lies that may or may not be harmful. Sometimes we tell the untruth, we lie to keep from hurting someone. Some might call that discernment, adult discernment. We shouldn't go around and just telling everybody what we think is true. See, our truth has to be based in something or someone. The trouble is, as we get older, truth-telling becomes a little more nuanced, doesn't it? Eloise right now, she just tells the truth, whether you want to hear it or not. She just tells the truth. Three-year-olds have no filter. So if she doesn't like the color of your dress, she's probably going to tell you she doesn't like the color of your dress. Us adults, we're a little wiser. We nuance the truth. You know that dress you wore last week? I really liked it. See what I did there? I didn't tell you I didn't like your dress. I just said I liked last week's dress better. I nuanced the truth. I didn't lie. I had discernment. See, only a very, very small percentage of us adults actually tell lies on a regular basis. I mean, there there are some perpetual, devious, wicked hearts that lie all the time. And we like to call them out, don't we? Because we think we know that they lie all the time. The fact of the matter is, we don't necessarily know. We just assume that if they're a politician, they are liars, don't we? We just assume that if they are leaders... They're probably lying about something. 
very, very small percentage of us lie on a regular basis. The real problem with us is not that we tell lies, but that we live lies. Here's the thing. If you want to know how to live a lie, I think we should just talk about it. So if you want to know how to live a lie, you should believe your own thoughts without discretion. So any thought that pops into your head, believe it. Believe it. If you want to live a lie, believe every thought that comes into your mind without discernment. Just believe it. Because after all, follow your heart. Trust your heart. Believe your truth. Doggone it. If you want to live a lie, trust every thought that enters your head. If you want to live a lie, isolate yourself. Keep to yourself. Believe that voice in your head. Don't ask anyone else to speak into your life. Stay by yourself. Point number two, if you want to live a lie. Point number three, if you want to live a lie. Ignore what God has to say about it. Don't read the Bible. Don't get with other people that would maybe speak the truth of the gospel into your life. If you want to believe a lie, if you want to live a lie, ignore what he has to say, what Jesus has to say. In his book, Live No Lies, John Mark Comer says that for centuries, teachers of the way of Jesus used a paradigm that's been lost in the modern era, that of three enemies of the soul. Three enemies of the soul. John Mark Comer is the author and pastor of this book, Live No Lies, and he says that this is like a trifecta of hell-bound evil invaders of the soul. Three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. What do they have to do with each other? Well, the devil is the master of deception. Deceptive ideas are found in the whispers and in the lies of the devil. These deceptive ideas, they play to disordered desires that our flesh carries. The things that you and I don't need help with. We don't need to be taught how to lie. We just lie. That's just the propensity of our life. And all of these disordered desires are found and normalized in a sinful society called the world. The world, the flesh, and the devil. In order to live no lies, if we're, if we're turning our back on lies, if we're going to identify those things in our life that are not true, we have to acknowledge that there is a propensity in us that if left to our own devices, we turn towards sin. We turn towards sin. Sin. We turn toward accommodating the flesh, embracing the world, and the disorderly conduct of the devil. So that's where we're headed the next couple weeks. We're going to be talking about the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so this morning, let's just break it down for a few minutes. 
What is the world? See, see, we, we have scripture that points us to the world. It's like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Okay, for, for in that instance, he is pointing us to, scripture is pointing us to the people of the world. God so loved the world, the people of the world. In the book of Acts, we have, uh, we're pointed to the creation of the world. The creation of the world. When, when, when the gospel writers wrote the book of Acts, they were pointing to the creation, the world that God created. But in 1 John 2, he's pointing to cultural and societal acceptance of all of that which is opposed to God. So when we read now these, this scripture, do not love this world nor the things it offers you, it is pointing to, the, 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 the gospel writer is pointing to our, the need for our awareness that the world is now that which is opposed to God. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Such a significant difference we have to know what is the gospel right? What, is, what are the scriptures pointing to? They're pointing to, when they say the world in this passage, they're pointing to those things that are completely opposed to Almighty God. We're going to be talking about the flesh. And basically, the flesh is just those inward, disordered desires of our lives. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is writing to Timothy, and Timothy is a young man, but he's a leader in the church, and he's saying, run, Timothy, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, pursue faithfulness, pursue love, pursue peace. Disordered desires. We immediately go to those things that Stir us up in the wrong direction. Those things that, that well, we just, like often we would think of, um, of sexual desires, inordinate sexual desires, sexual desires that are not appropriate for our stage of life. We would think about those things I'm going to chase after, not for the purposes of anything fulfilling, but for the purpose of of accommodating my own fleshly desires. And often those things that we think are harmless are actually the things that move us away from other people. They move us away from the heart of God. Thirdly, we're going to be talking about the devil. Deceptive ideas. This is his forte. This is his profession, if you will to see whose ears are open to tickling. Scriptures tell us, like, in the last days, we will go after people that will speak to us in ways that will tickle our ears, that will help us to uh, make decisions that are not the best for us, but they're things that we want to hear. So instead of hearing the things that we need to hear, we go after those things that we want to hear. James 4 
reads this way. James writes, so humble yourselves. Man, humility is the hallmark of followers of Jesus. If we step into this, if we believe that we can actually live a life that is proud and haughty, a life that is all about ourselves and still follow Jesus, we are sadly mistaken. This is not the way of Jesus, but the way of Jesus is to humble ourselves before him to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, it's interesting, isn't it? In 2 Timothy, Paul writes, Timothy, hey, run, run from temptation. And now James writes, resist. See, the significance here is that when we are tempted, we need to flee that. We need to run from what is tempting us, to turn our back on that. But when we are faced with the demonic, when we are faced with lies being spoken to us, you know what? So many of us, even sitting here this morning, are listening to lies. I know it. I know it. There are things in your life this morning that you have just said yes to without giving it any thought. See, that's the problem. We don't just choose to live with lies, we can choose not to live with lies, but you and I have had words spoken over us when we were kids, and we believe that lie. You're not good enough. What is wrong with you? Yeah, I never expected more out of you. There are lies that are living inside of you that you need to identify. There are lies in your life that are warring against your soul. Lies that you have believed. I want to call those out in you this morning. I want to make you aware that there are things in your life that you have not taken care of. You've believed those lies. Why do I know this? Well, one, I talk to you. And I also know that because I'm human and you're human. And because we're human, we forget that we have been created in the image of God. And because we forget that we've been created in the image of God, and because we forget that we have the, Almighty, the Spirit of Almighty God within us, We tend toward drifting. We tend toward sin. We tend toward believing the lies that we have been told. This morning, even all of you online this morning, wherever you are, the fact remains that whether we're in the house or whether we're online, We need to resist the devil and flee from temptation. Deceptive ideas are effective. We tend to believe them because they appeal to these disordered desires inside of us called the flesh. And then our disordered desires become normalized in the world, in this sinful, broken society. 
And then it's like an echo chamber for this flesh where confusion and chaos are either blatantly obvious or they're simmering just below the surface. And I'll just be really clear with you this morning. What I'm trying to do is to bring them up out of under, instead of being under the surface, I'm trying to expose them. I'm trying to set an atmosphere here where the, the lies that you believed are being pulled up and they're coming to mind even now. See, we, we walk into this place. We tune in on a Sunday morning. And we want an experience that will make us feel really good. And frankly, right now, I'm not trying to make you feel good. I'm trying to get you to think deeper than maybe you've thought in a long time about the lies in your life. What have you been told that isn't true? Can you even identify them? Or do you need someone to come alongside you? Oh, I forgot. If you want to live lies, you need to isolate and stay away from people. If you want to live lies, you need to question the word of God and doubt it and expect nothing to change in your life. 1 John 2.6 says, those who say they live in God, this is what I, here's where I want us to go. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Okay, so there's a whole bunch of us in this room and there's a whole bunch of us that know how to curate our lives. So an art curator decides what pieces of art will be hung in a specific gallery. Let's bring it closer to home. Your Instagram account is carefully curated. Many of us only post things that are approved by our own selves. Well, sure. Why wouldn't we? Put our best face forward. You curate your friends list. I don't agree with that one. I'm going to, I'm going to quiet them down for a little bit. Let's get them off of our feed. It's actually a wise thing to do sometimes. How good at your curating who speaks into your life? How good are you at curating your condition, your heart condition? See, if we spend half the time curating our own person, be it our thinking patterns or our heart condition, if we spend half the time doing that, that we spend curating what everyone else sees, imagine the significance, the impact that could have in your life. 1 John 1.6 says, So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth.
Exchanging the truth for a lie is normal occurrence when the object of your worship shifts from the creator to the created. Did you catch that? Exchanging the truth for a lie is a normal occurrence. This is something that happens when the object of our worship shifts from the creator to the created. If you want to live with no lies, fix your eyes on the creator. Don't let your gaze be shifted to things that are created and worship those things instead. See, the temptation for us, the temptation for you and I is is not so much toward atheism, of thinking that there is no God. We're not usually tempted to go that direction so much. But what we're tempted with is a subtle shift to a a a do-it-yourself mode of thinking when it comes to our faith. So we take a little bit of the way of Jesus, and we take a little bit of consumerism, a little bit of sexual, uh, secular sexual ethics, and we take a little bit of radical individualism. Let me say those again. We take a little bit of the way of Jesus. We take a little bit of consumerism, which maybe materialism would strike home. We begin to think that the norms around sexual ethics don't exist anymore. And then we can become radically individual. Like it's all about me. Here's what I think we have to do. I think we as the church, you and I, we have to move beyond the Sunday morning experience to being this robust, countercultural, alternative, um, beautiful society that God has called us to be. Look, we're not just against the, the world, but we're for the world. We're not just against evil, but we're for good. We're for love. We're for joy. We're for thriving relationships, thriving marriages, healthy families. So why is this so difficult for us to articulate? Why is it so difficult for us to live this out? And I'll tell you why. I think it's because even though we sang this morning, this is where I lay it down. I'm surrendering it. This is where I'm laying it down. The truth of the matter is that you and I have a very, very difficult time laying our lives down. How do I know this? Because I have a difficult time laying my life down. See, we plead ignorance. We say things like, oh, fake it till you make it or dress for success. Look, If you're building a team, an organization, for for any kind of organization, you look for the best people that will embrace the culture of that organization. You do background checks. You do do, uh, your reference checks. You refuse to bring somebody on the team that doesn't have the correct qualifications. You are uber careful to have them fit into an existing team. But in the church, where we talk about creating an atmosphere of generosity and grace, we falter and we stumble. We're scared to make the hard, difficult calls. Some of that is warranted. I mean, we, the big C church, we've had a track record that is broken and warped at best. But if you and I, as this body of believers, 
if we, if we believe that our calling as followers of Jesus is the highest calling that we could ever imagine, then we're going to be absolutely fanatic about the elevation of Christ in all things, which means telling the truth. It means telling the truth about who we are. It means coming alongside someone that you trust, that you can spill the beans to, that you can say, I need help. It is when we become people of the lie instead of people of the truth that the church becomes toxic, that the church becomes a place that no one wants to be. Here's what I hope for. Here's what I hope for. I hope that you and I will embrace Matthew 5, 7, 5, 6, and 7. The most powerful message that Jesus or anyone after has ever preached is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Read it this week. Make that one of the things you do this week and choose to live Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If we would do that as a church, we would live in truth. We would turn our back on all temptation. We would flee from temptation. We would look the devil straight in the face and say, go to hell because that's where you and your angels are headed. No more of this speaking lies into our ears. Friends, we have to be discerning. We can't just assume that every voice we hear is the voice of God. We can't just assume that every time we have a thought, that that thought is from God. We need to practice discernment, speak the truth in love to each other. And then we become a place that the world rushes to. Not because we're standing up and saying, look at us. We got the answers. Come on in. No, it's because we come from a place of love. For God so loved the world. He's calling you and I to love the world. The people of the world. Would you stand with me? See, true freedom. True freedom comes when we commit to the truth. Not my truth, not your truth, but the truth of the way of Jesus. This is where true freedom comes. Try it. Try this week to filter every thought through the gospel of Christ. Take every thought captive. Discern who is speaking that thought into your ears. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The psalmist writes these words in 139, Psalm 139. Here's my prayer for us. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. And God, see if there be any wicked way 
in us. See if there be, would be anything that is against you. Anything that we're hearing that is a lie from the pit. God, we turn all of those things to the cross. We turn all of those things to you. And we ask that you would lead us in the way everlasting. Amen. Friends, this morning, I don't know about you, but I'm hoping just as happened to me as I was prepping for this message, that the root cause of the lies you've believed is starting to emerge in your mind and in your heart. My hope was that we would all be significantly uncomfortable this morning because I believe the Spirit of God speaks to us and if he's pointing things out in your life let's get it taken care of we have too much important work to do to hang on to those things that we've always believed if those things prove to be lies so we've got a prayer team in the back I'm not begging you to. <laughs> but I'm giving, I'm asking you to give deep thought. Not long, because it's only one song. But give some thought to going back and having them pray for you this morning. There is nothing better than living in freedom. There's nothing better than having the chains broken off of us and those lies we believed diminished and destroyed and forever sent away. There's nothing better. So I encourage you, step into courage this morning and have someone pray for you. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.